He's all in all, and then some. Amen. Amen. Today is a day of celebration. I tell you, I woke up this morning excited about Jesus and grateful that he allowed me to see another day and that he allowed me to worship him on today. God is good. I don't know if anybody out there know, but God is good. He's been good to me. He's been good to you. He's kept you another week. He's kept you in your right mind, and he brought you here to worship today. So we're going to worship and celebrate our king today. Amen. Amen. Well, on behalf of the entire Forest Baptist Church family, I want to say welcome to all of our guests and to family. I thank you for worshiping with us here on this Christmas Day service as we celebrate the birthday of our risen Savior, King Jesus. So we, we just gather together to praise and just to uh, uh, corporately say, Happy Birthday, Jesus. That's why we're here today. So if you would, let's go ahead and celebrate by digging into the word of God and allowing him to speak for himself through the scriptures. So if you would with me, turn with me to Luke, the second chapter. We'll actually begin with verse 8. No, I take that back. Let's, let's start with verse 1. Luke, the second chapter, beginning with verse 1. This is the word of God. Hear the voice of Christ. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. I simply want to tag the text before us this morning. Merry Christmas. Merry 
Christmas. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, for your great love, for your care, your kindness, yet most of all, your concern for humanity. When we were lost in our sin, separated from you, you had a plan. From the foundation of the world, you had a plan to rescue us through your son, Jesus Christ. And your word declares when the fullness of time had came, you sent forth your son, born of a virgin, to rescue sinners from themselves, from brokenness, from misery, from loneliness, from separation, from your goodness, dear God. And Father, thank you for this plan, for when you step foot out of a timeless existence into time, you changed everything forever. For now we have hope in Christ, and we have you. So Father, I pray that you will bless your word today. May you cause us to become excited, not because what we received under the tree, but what we have already received in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Father, please send forth your Holy Spirit. May you give us new eyes to see. May this text become fresh, not rote, not something ordinary, but may we see truly what it looks like for the Word to become flesh, to break in on us. Father, may you give us ears to hear, enliven our senses through your Spirit that we would mourn and weep over our brokenness, but yet be encouraged by this good news. And Father, I ask that you prepare our hearts to receive you this day. For your glory and namesake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. So indeed, Merry Christmas. This two-word phrase, 14 letters, is often used during this time to communicate a spirit of cheer, to communicate happiness, and to pass along a little joy. But what exactly makes Christmas merry to you? Is Christmas merry because of the music you hear? Because at some point, we just get tired of hearing the same songs. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a man. We turn it off. Is Christmas merry because of the gifts you receive? Because we know it's that one gift waiting on us, that gift, the one we really didn't want, but we know we need, like some socks, some underwear. Is Christmas merry because of the time off? But you know, if you work the job long enough, however much time you get off still ain't enough. Why are you like the two brothers who were talking to one another and the younger brother said to the older brother, my Christmas would be so merry if I just received a red bicycle. I would be so happy over joy. So at bedtime that night, the Older brother and younger brother began to say their prayers, and the younger brother just kept saying over and over, please, 
give me a red bicycle. Please give me a red bicycle. And he got louder and louder. Please give me a red bicycle. His older brother said, what are you doing? Why are you so loud? Don't you know that God can hear you? The younger brother said, yeah, I know God can hear me. I'm just trying to make sure grandma does too. Is your Christmas merry based upon what you receive, or is your Christmas merry because of who it is founded upon? Jesus Christ himself. See, there's nothing wrong with these things in and of themselves. We love gifts. So please don't hear uh, anyone saying that giving gifts are, is sinful and terrible. Your, your motives may be, but if somebody comes with a nice a Mercedes Benz with a big bow on it or something like that. It's like, I ain't mad at you. But gifts are nice. However, in and of themselves, they can become sinful. And though these things may bring momentary happiness or some semblance of satisfaction, to pass along genuine joy. I'm talking about that deep joy. That joy that holds you, that, that joy that keeps you in the midst of the storm. That joy that starts from the top of your head and goes down to the soles of your feet. I'm, I'm talking about that joy that's able to envelop you when all, all hell is breaking loose in your life. That in order to have that type of, type of joy, you must have Jesus. So the reason why we are celebrating it's because of the birth of Jesus. Christmas is truly married because of the gift we have in Jesus already. So for Christians, Christmas is the celebration of God giving ruined humanity the gift we needed most in Christ Jesus. So today is a celebration. So if you want to stand up, you stand up. If you want to shout, you shout. If you want to cheer, you cheer. But today is a celebration to the goodness of God who looked and saw our faults. He saw our brokenness. He saw our, our de how destitute we were, our inability to be saved. And he sent forth Christ. And when I look at this text, this is a celebration. This is exactly what is going on in the text this morning. For we see angels getting it in with the shepherds outside of town. Now, I know some folks don't need a reason to party, but the angels have one right here. And God has been unveiling his plan to rescue ruined humanity for, for generations. And, and this moment is now this unfolding of what God has wanted to do. unfolding before the eyes of the angels. And, and Luke 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2, they begin by answering a few questions for us. They give us the who, what, when, where, how, and why for this celebration. Lucy, Luke chapter 1 starts off with Zechariah and Elizabeth. It has a focus on the temple and, and, and his, him working in the temple. And the angel comes to Zechariah and, and tells him that he will have a child. But he doesn't believe, and the angel uses that as a sign. That, okay, you don't want to believe? Well, you won't be able to talk until this comes forth. He goes back home. He, 
he tell, well, he can't tell Elizabeth. He used sound language, wrote her down somehow, but she gets the message, and now she finds herself pregnant with child. That's celebration, right? She was barren. She was without. So she's celebrating. Gabriel shows up to Mary one day and say, woman, you are blessed among women, and you will be the one who, who the Holy Spirit will come upon and will uh, give Jesus to the world. That's a celebration. For in declaring what's going on with Mary, Gabriel says, for with God, nothing is impossible. Mary, excited, runs to find Elizabeth, and as she comes in, the babies begin to celebrate. She becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have, how we used to say in old days, have a Holy Ghost party right there in her house. Then the time comes for Elizabeth to give birth, and Zechariah begins to sing praises to God through his hymn. But then not only only that, chapter 2 opens up here. And it looks like the party is going to end because they got to pay some taxes. But this is just the beginning. Because Joseph and Mary, they find a little manger. And here we have the birth of Jesus. Right on the heels of that, the text points to some shepherds. So we have all this celebration going on. If you don't notice, I'm here to to help you to see that when we look at the text, we see a party about to break out. The shepherds were already there. We got the party people. We got a nice dance floor. They're out in the field and wide open. The popo ain't coming out there. They can do whatever they want, make all the racket they want. The lights have already been dimmed because it's at night. God fills the place with his glory. Who needs a fog machine when, when God's glory comes into place and fills up the place? All we need now is some music. See, and for this inauguration, Jesus has no problem getting top billing because the angels themselves show up in the angelic choir to sing and to shout his praises. You're talking about top vocalists. See, but verse 11 is actually what gets the party started. this, This is the metaphorical where the needle hits the record. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's good news. That's good news. As a matter of fact, in verse 10, the angel says, I come to bring you good news. And, and, and in translation, that's the actual word for the, the gospel, the euangelion. They have come to preach good news that you will be rescued from your sins by the Messiah, the one who is able to remove all stain, remove all blemish, to take away all pain and separation. Jesus is here. And just as art imitates reality. The angelic choir take their situation and come up with a song. And they begin to sing about the gifts we had in the birth of Jesus. So why are we celebrating? Well, the first reason why we celebrate, we look at this song in verse 14. In the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the gift of glory. 
the first stanza of this song says, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. This, hear this angelic symphony there. They're not speaking in in quantitative uh, categories. They're not talking about how much, but they're talking about the glory of God as far as a, a, a spatial extent. Not just how hard, but how high his glory is. Not just how loud, but how wide his glory goes. Not just how often, but how deep his glory runs. They're, they're talking about an exalted praise for God because of what he has just done through Christ Jesus. See, this angelic cry gives me new appreciation for Psalm 150. You know, the last song in, uh, in that book of hymns, it's, it's kind of fitting. It's the last one because right now you have the first Christ. And they look back and at Psalm 150, it says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but because Jesus showed up, they had something to be grateful for. When the angels are, are singing this, it's as if they're they saying, if you really knew what was going on, everybody, everywhere, will give glory to God in the most exalted ways. See, because in verse 11, the text tells us, for unto you is born this day. This day. Beloved, there was a a moment in time where God chose to ratchet up his glory. If I could take a literary device and kind of jump off the page for a second. Now, this is me talking, but I can imagine God in heaven gathering his angelic host and saying, y'all come around right quick. I got something to say. And as they're gathering around, he said, it's time. They said, it's time for what? It's time to show off my glory a little bit more. Now, I already showed off my glory in creation. I, I cast the stars in the sky. I set the moon on its trajectory. The sun brightly shines. The leaves come up off the ground. The plants speak of my goodness. I've already displayed my glory that way. I've created man. They're created in my image, the Imago Dei. I've shown off my glory through man. As broken, as frail as they are, yet I'm still showing off my glory. I showed off my glory in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I could take a broken pagan man and make him my people. And then he, he, then he continues to own and tells them, I showed off my glory in Egypt. Every curse that came, I was showing them whose God was really God. And I showed off myself in Israel. I took a no people and made them a people and made them millions. And then I set them free. He says, I showed off my glory to Moses. Moses wanted, to, wanted me to show him my glory. And I told him he had to turn around because you can't just see me flat out because you'll fall dead. I've been showing off my glory, but even so, that I've been showing off the reflection of my brilliance. 
I haven't given them the whole thing. I've just given them a taste. So it's time for me to show them who I really am. So I'm just going to give them me. The text says, for unto you is born this day. In theological terms, this is called the the incarnation. This is the glory of the incarnation because what we have taken place is Jesus himself, who was before time was, who always have been getting it in with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He has always existed. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. He decided that in order to rescue you and in order to rescue me, he was going to take off his robe of glory, and he's going to take upon himself a human nature and step into time. He that was timeless decided to step into time just to prove and to show that I'm with you and I love you. And at that moment, we have the glory of revelation. There was no other time before that man could look upon the face of God and live. Now we're looking at him in the manger. Where before we would, we would curl back in fear. Now we just want to pick him up and cuddle him and hold him and swaddle him because he's near. No longer do we have to have this fear of God that I can't come to the mountain. I, I can't approach his Shekinah glory. Beloved, don't you know his Shekinah glory was laying in the manger? Jesus himself showing off while he's sucking on his thumb. He's making sure Mars and Saturn still spin. While he's being rocked to sleep, he's making sure the gravity kept you up. In a manger, God himself. He's revealed to us who he is through Jesus. That's his glory. That's his glory. In the incarnation, we have God and man. Jesus Christ, he's 100% God and 100% man. So he's able to know what it means to be God, what it means to have all power, all knowledge, all might, all wisdom. He knows what it means to to, to be endless and timeless, magnificent and mighty, but yet he knows what it means to be lowly because he's still man. He knows what it means to be hungry. He knows what it means to be uh, stabbed in the back. He knows what it means to be without. So when we see Jesus, we have a mediator between us and God who can relate with us, who loves us and is able to take our concerns before the Father with firsthand knowledge. He's not talking about things he's heard of. When he goes before the Father, he knows that experience. He knows what it means, what it feels like to lose a loved one. He knows what it means to be on his feet all day. He knows what it means to have people talking about you behind your back. That Jesus, his glory is shining off. When we look at Jesus in the manger, we are reminded that we have communion with God now. You're not by yourself. You're not on your own. You got God, the very God, was walking with you, right beside you. 
who's able to keep you. This is what Emmanuel is. God with us. We now see God face to face in Jesus. No more fear. We run to the Savior. See, Christmas is Mary because of the gift of glory. But the question today is, what glory are you living for? What glory are you living for? What shiny objects are you running to? What things out of creation has your attention? We want creation more than the creator. You know, it's, it's funny because we actually buy gifts for other people to celebrate our glory. And now what we do? Oh, you know, I had to, I had to break her off a little something, something. Look at that rock over there. I, I got that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, my babies, hey, they ain't without. They got the new J's. They got all colors. Look at their pants. They sweet. Yeah, them my kids right there. Oh, and don't let us give a gift that we think sweet. And somebody say, okay, that was nice to put it aside. We mad. Like, I spent my hard-earned money, and you just put it in, on, in the side, and, like, your kids can't even walk outside. Don't get them shoes dirty. You know how much I pay for them. They shoes. You shouldn't have bought them. They walk on them. Why? Because we want our glory to shine. And giving gifts. That's how sinful and wicked we are. But in spite of our wickedness, in spite of the fact that we don't deserve Christ, he still came in giving us Jesus. We have the gift of communion with God himself. So we have this gift of glory, but if you keep looking at the text, you'll see in the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the gift of peace. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace. This word peace used here by the angelic host refers to fullness of blessing. With Jesus entering his creation, he brings with him fullness of blessing. I quoted the text in Galatians 4, in the fullness of time. What do I mean? The, the right time, at the right moment. You may think God has forgotten about you, but it's not the fullness of time. You may think you've fallen and he's not going to help you up. It's not the fullness of time because at the right time, Christ came. He comes in the fullness of time because in Jesus' fullness of blessing. But not only is that, in Christ Jesus, we see the fullness of God. Colossians 1, in him is the fullness of the Godhead dwelling. There's nothing lacking in Jesus. If we want to see the Father, what did, what did Jesus tell his disciples? If you want to see the Father, just look at me. Look no further. I'm right here. You know, there's, there's nothing worse than a half-done job. Oh, my goodness. If you're going to, you, know you know what your parents used to say to you. If you're going to do a halfway, you shouldn't have needed it at all. A half-done job communicates a lack of a seriousness. See, a, a half-done job says, 
I'm just doing this because somebody told me to do it. I, I really don't want to do it. See, I have done job says, look, my priorities are not being fulfilled first. So I just want to get it out the way to get to what I'm talking about. See, but when it came to Jesus, see, Jesus don't do anything halfway. He's not like us. Because when Jesus came, he didn't come, become a halfway human. He became all the way human. When Jesus gave his obedience, it wasn't halfway obedience. It was all the way obedience. What do you mean? He wasn't obedient just on the outside. He is obedient on the inside. You know how we do. Well, I'm just going to do this well, well, because they're making me do this. Oh, what you say? I ain't say nothing. And we, and we just kind of go on. We really don't want to do it. But Jesus says, I do it. God, God the Father's life, who's going to go and give their life? I do it. Who's going to give up all, that, all this glory? I go. There was no question. There was no argument. Jesus said, I go. I want to go. A people that I love. But when Jesus healed, he didn't heal halfway. He healed all the way. When Jesus controlled the winds and the waves, he didn't halfway control he all the way control. He didn't halfway go to the cross. He went all the way to Galgotha. Where they stretched him wide, lifting him high. He was all the way there. And he didn't halfway get up that third day. He didn't kind of limp out the grave. He didn't have to take some of lead to get his, his knees together. He, he got up out the grave with all power in his hand because he don't do anything halfway. The fullness of blessing here, that's what it's talking about, and peace, peace. But primarily, it's talking about salvation. That's where fullness of blessing comes from. You think you got it together because you got a little dough in your bank account and your car's riding nice? Oh, let you get hit by a car. All of that can be gone. But when you have Jesus, it don't matter what's in your bank account. It don't matter what car you're driving. You can rear in me, hit me from the side, because I'm still fully blessed. That's what we're looking at. Why do we need peace? Back in verse 11. The angel says, for unto you was born this day, in the city of David, a Savior. Well, for Jesus to be declared a Savior, that would mean we need to be saved from something. Jesus is Savior because we're in a war with God. Sin has called us to commit cosmic treason where we have betrayed the loyalties of God. We are a traitor to God's goodness. We are a traitor to his glory. We, we don't, see, we're a traitor because not only do we commit sin, but we want to be God ourselves. We want to take over the throne. We want to be lifted up. I don't want to just do my thing, but I want everybody to glorify me. That's why we're traitors. We have enemy, but what, what the angels are declaring is, even though you are at war with God, uh, peace is available to those who come to Jesus. Salvation. See, peace does not come through possessions. 
but through what was once a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. See, the, this is the paradox of the text. You have an angelic host. What are hosts? That's an army. You have this angelic army show up singing, and so you have an army coming to announce peace. See, that's the paradox. So you have an army coming to announce peace. Well, when does an army come to announce peace? An army announces peace when they have already conquered. And because Jesus showed up in that manger, we, the angel was able to say, we came for war, but now you have peace. You have peace because Christ has already conquered. Christmas is Mary because of the gift of peace. The question today is, do you really have peace? Do you have peace? I mean, honestly, how much peace have you received this Christmas season? I got to get this gift and I got to run here and I got to take that. And if anything, we got anxiety, frustration, anger. We depressed, lonely. How's that peace? Because we live for our own glory, we do not have peace with God. We don't have peace with God because I've sinned. We don't have peace with other people because of our sin. Let me tell you what, we ain't got peace with ourselves because of sin. We so broken, there's no peace. We can act like we got peace. On the outside, like everything's good. Everything, or you know, we, we, we come into a room, we want to woosah, get it together, put on, put on your church face. Oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. God is on my side. I am the head and not the tail. Oh, he blessed me from the head, from the cross. Now, let me stop. But we want to front like we really got peace. Be on the inside. You got, you got this burden on your back. Your heart is full of anxiety. You, you know God is, is calling you. You know he, he, he wants to draw you to himself, and you, you keep rejecting Jesus. Like, oh, I'm not ready for that yet. No, I don't want to go there yet. He, 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 you're telling Jesus that you don't want peace. Because in Jesus, there's fullness of blessing. There's nothing lacking. Come to Jesus. See, watch this. Turn with me right quick to Colossians 1. Because I want you to hold on to this during this Christmas season. Hold on to this if you want peace. Colossians 1, verse 17. Now the text says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You want peace. So while you're worried about your job, Jesus is holding all things together. Why you worried about your son and your wayward daughter? Don't you know that Jesus is holding all things together? You worried about this election cycle, who's going to be president? Don't you know that Jesus is already holding all things together? 
We worried about the outcome of next year. We worried about romance. We worried about having a boyfriend, a girlfriend. We worried about rent. We worried about LGE. We worried about things. And Jesus is saying, don't you know I hold all things together? If we truly submit our lives to Jesus, he's the one that keeps it together, not me. I'm crazy. Had it not been for the Lord, on my side, he's the one that holds it together. He's the one that, that keeps my mind right. Don't they call him a mind regulator? He's the one that keeps my heart right. He's the one that keeps me from sin. When I want to go this way, he draws me that way. He holds it all to. Don't come into church and try to say, well, I need to fix myself up before I give my life to Jesus. You can't fix your life up. You that jacked up. That if you went to a, a, a used car lot, they wouldn't buy your vehicle. But let Jesus drive in. They give you double down because he's the one that holds it all together. And giving us Jesus, we have the gift of reconciliation with God right now. Right now. We don't have to wait until we get the glory. I don't have to wait until I'm on the other side to have peace right now. Because he was born today in a city called David. Because he stepped in, I got peace now. The gift of glory, the gift of peace, but lastly, the gift of grace. In the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the gift of grace. This last part of the hymn, he says, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This final portion of the hymn can be Translated in a number of ways, your text may say goodwill to men. It may say goodwill among men, to, to men of goodwill, among men with whom he is pleased. See, but each translation is pointing to the fact that his goodwill and favor belongs to God. And he is the one who freely gives it. God is the one who gives it. That's grace. Jesus entering into creation to war against sin, to pay the sin debt, to reconcile us back to the Father, to atone for our sins. That, see, that's redemption. Jesus has secured redemption. And what God does is he calls out those who receive grace. That's what it means to be redeemed, to be bought back. In the Old Testament, they, if someone who was of Jewish lineage would get into a lot of debt and all their property was taken, or if they even got into an insurmountable debt, they would sell themselves into slavery. In Leviticus, it says you, you, you could have a kinsman redeemer, someone who is part of your family to come and make the payments on your behalf to buy back what you already had. To buy back what you lost. To rescue you from what you have been enslaved to. That is redemption. That is, that is what Jesus, Jesus is buying us back. That's the picture in Hosea. That's the example. Job's wife, she, he goes and, and, and marries a prostitute. And she goes off and leaves him for another man. And now she has this debt 
with another man. And, and Hosea goes back and he brings cash and drops it on, on the steps to say, I'm buying her back. She doesn't belong to you. She belongs to me. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. Though we play the prostitute, though we play the whore, though we are the one who are tempted and go wayward, Jesus is still saying, with my blood, I'm buying you back. And that's top dollar. You keep the change, but I want them back. Praise God that he, he buys a sinful people back. Don't matter how much debt you're in. It don't matter if you still got school loans. It don't matter if that house note is on. Jesus pays all debts through his blood. Christmas is married because of the gift of grace. Have you received the gift of grace? Is God pleased with you? Is God pleased with your life? Is God pleased with your choices? Is God pleased with your Christmas gift? See, as long as we feel that someone is not pleased with us, that causes us, that causes us to keep working. Keep trying to impress. Keep trying to make myself worthy. But when it comes to Christ, that's why grace is grace. You didn't deserve it in the first place. So you can't keep it now, but it keeps you to eternity. When grace fills your life, all the work is done, and we don't have to work to be pleasing unto God because I'm already pleasing in Christ Jesus. So in giving us Jesus, we have the gift of redemption with God forever. Beloved, and Jesus, our Christmas is merry, not because of what we're waiting for, but because of what he's already done. But you know what? Before I can consider anything a gift, before I can be grateful for a gift, I have to receive it. If UPS came by my door, and we get packages all the time from Michigan, all the time, and they lay it at their front door. If I never stop to pick that gift up, is it really a gift? If I never pick that gift up and take it in my house, is that really a gift? No. I'm just leaving it out there. That's what Jesus is offering to you today. He wants to give you the gift of his life, and you keep on walking past it. He wants to give you his glory, you keep on walking past it. He wants to give you his, his peace. Lord knows we need peace. And you keep walking past it. He wants to give you grace. That, you don't have to work for this. I don't have to be a good Christian. Jesus paid it all. But if I never pick up the gift, it's not mine. That's what Jesus is offering to you today. He's saying, Open this gift for yourself. Stop relying upon, on, on Big Mama and them testimonies. Stop relying upon your daddy who was a deacon, your cousin who was a pastor. Open the gift up for yourself. 
Because when you open it up, it's the treasure that meets every need. Salvation, you got it. Holiness, you got it. Peace, you got it. Joy, hope, love, faithfulness, you got it. Don't forget, he's the great I am. Whatever you need, he got it. If you need someone to talk to, he's there. You by yourself, he's right there. If you need help, he's, he'll help you get up. If you're trying to get through the door, he opened that too. There's been a lot of doors closed in my face that Jesus just buzzed down on my behalf. The great I am. But what you got to do? You got to pick it up. You got to take time to actually say, I'm wrong. Please forgive me for living how I want to live and not living for you. Please forgive me for not believing in your power and trying to do this on my own strength. Father, please forgive me for my sin. Would you please save me and make me yours? That's how you pick this gift up. Merry Christmas. Every time that we hear Merry Christmas, I want you to hear Jesus. Merry Christmas, Jesus. Merry Christmas, Jesus. When you're talking, when you go over there for dinner, somebody say Merry Christmas, you just want Jesus. Jesus. Celebrate Christmas because of the gift we have in Jesus. Christmas is a celebration of God giving fallen humanity the gift we needed most in Jesus. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and for the gift of Jesus. For truly, we can say Merry Christmas when our Christmas is built on you. So, Father, thank you for your glory shining through that we have communion and fellowship with you. Thank you for the peace we have in Christ. And thank you for the grace that has been provided for us. Now, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would apply that to someone's heart today, that they would turn from themselves and turn towards you for the forgiveness of sin, and that you would be Lord of their life. These things we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name we do pray. Amen.